This is Hubwonk. I'm your host, Joe Salvaggi. Welcome to Hubwonk from Pioneer Institute, a think tank in Boston. We're recording this episode on May 18th, 2020, immediately after Governor Baker's press conference on his plan to begin lifting restrictions. After more than two months of lockdown, restless Bay State citizens and businesses were listening carefully. Was the governor's plan clear and appropriate? Will the business community be satisfied? And perhaps most importantly, will the consumers in the Commonwealth feel safe enough to come back? To help me answer those questions, our two guests today lead organizations that represent thousands of independent businesses from across the Commonwealth. Chris Carlozzi is president of Massachusetts chapter of the National Federation of Independent Businesses, and John Hurst is president of the Retailers Association of Massachusetts and has led that organization for nearly three decades. My co-host today is Rebecca Paxton, research analyst at Pioneer Institute. Rebecca will share her deep research using Pioneer's Mass Economics tool to see which regions of the state have been hit hardest. Welcome to the show, Rebecca. Hey, Joe. Thanks so much for having me. Rebecca, you've done a deep dive into the effects of this virus on both the health and economies of the towns and regions across the Commonwealth. What broad themes has your research offered, and how does the governor's plan connect with your observations? Well, Joe, I think the most painfully obvious theme is that everyone knows that everyone is being affected um, by the shutdowns in response to this virus. Um, I think, you know, you don't have to do a ton of research to know that. Um, What I would say is that certain industries, certain areas are being affected disproportionately to others. And, you know, I think the governor's plan responds to that. Um, You know, he definitely placed some urgency on getting the economy back to what he's calling the new normal. And so I'll be really interested to see what our guests have to say about it um, as it relates to their members um, and how individual businesses are going to feel about this new plan for reopening. Yes, I'm curious as well. I know their members are in pain, and I'm sure we're all listening to the governor's presentation today. I'm very curious to hear whether they're satisfied with the plan or whether they have deep reservations or genuine impatience about the rate at which we're opening our economy. So when we return, we'll be joined by Chris Carlosi of the National Federation of Independent Businesses and with John Hurst of the Retail Association of Massachusetts. Okay, we're back. This is Hubwonk. I'm Joe Salvaggi with Pioneer's Rebecca Paxton. We're now joined by Chris Carlozzi and John Hurst. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, before we uh, jump into your impressions of Governor Baker's presser, please give our listeners a sense of how many business owners your organizations represent. Why don't you go first, Chris? We represent over 5,000 small businesses in Massachusetts, and it's varied industries. So we represent retail like John, but we also have wholesalers, we have uh, services, we represent manufacturers, we even have farms as members. So we're, we're pretty wide ranging um, in who we represent. And it's every corner of the state. So uh, we, we represent uh, businesses in, in every industry and in every city and town in Massachusetts. Great. And from the Retail, Retailers Association of Massachusetts perspective, we've been around uh, for 102 years. We have 4,000 members statewide. And, you know, they, they are what you imagine retail is. And, and it includes certainly large national chains like what we have 
based right here in Massachusetts, the TJXs, the Staples, the BJs, and so forth. But really the backbone of our membership are the mom and pop stores, uh, restaurants, the main street businesses that, uh, you know, we, we all rely upon and, and, and know is the background of, and fabric of our communities. And, you know, everything from a restaurant, corner mom and pop restaurant, to a service station, to a, a fine dining restaurant, a quick serve restaurant, to the local jeweler, hardware store, grocery store. Thanks again so much, uh, John and Chris. Um, good to have you. Um, some of the research that Pioneer has been doing has shown spikes in unemployment rates during this COVID crisis, especially in certain parts of the state, so a lot of Western Mass um, and Cape Cod. And I was just wondering, how has your membership been reacting to the crisis from the initial shutdown in March um, up through today when Governor Baker announced this reopening? Well, I'll go first. I, I um, Look, we've we have winners and losers, right? Um, you know, 40% of our members are what you consider essential businesses. You know, they've been open from the start. They were convenience stores, grocers, auto supply, um, uh, hardware, appliances, you know, and so forth. Now, some of them had better sales than others. Grocers did very, very well. Um, others, you know, it was even auto auto service, right? Uh, they're open, but not many people are driving. Convenience stores, again, if you're selling gasoline, not many people driving, so their sales are way down. Uh, but, you know, we have that group, and then, but 60% of our members are what you consider non-essential, and they're the ones that are closed, or, or and in fact, closed. Even some of our restaurants that have tried to do curbside. Uh, again, 60% of our members, and if you look at the entire uh, cross-section of those members. Again, some essential, some non-essential. Sales have been down since the start of this crisis and, and the governor's order by 68%. So, you know, if I had factored out that 40% that were open, you know, almost uh, the remainder would be down 100%. Uh, you know, these are our small businesses that, you know, are really struggling. They, they held on for a long time before they laid off or furloughed their employees. Uh, they finally had no uh, alternative, but to lay them off. Uh, but in the meantime, they still have rents and they still have payments due to their suppliers for the inventory they're prohibited to sell. And I'd say that we saw things happen in waves. I mean, it started with an initial panic where you had those business owners kind of calling to see where they fell in the spectrum of things. They didn't know if they were essential, non-essential. Some of them kind of fell between the cracks. Uh, we had businesses like landscapers that weren't on the initial list. And, and one of the things we did was reach out to our landscaper members who had uh, talked to us in the first place and said, you know, we should be included in there. We should be essential. There are people who need to get up, uh, you know, paths and things in businesses and parking lots seem to be clear. So landscapers should be included. And, and they were added to that essential list. But I mean, that was the initial um, types of contact we had from members. Where, where do we fall and, and what do we do from here? Um, and then it became more about sustaining themselves. So trying to get access to the PPP and the economic injury disaster loans. I mean, that almost became the next phase in things. It went from, oh God, do I have to shut down to, well, how do I keep going for a couple of weeks until, until things start to normalize? Um, and then it became the push to reopen. So, uh, and I think that's where we stand now. And today was, was kind of a the end game to that kind of knowing the plan and seeing where they stand and, and seeing if those ones that are non-essential and have had their doors closed for several weeks now will be able to continue, will be able to operate after all this. I mean, those PPP loans were only 
meant for a finite period of time. And, and some of our members are seeing that money kind of uh, go away now. And, and some of them are even concerned with whether, whether or not they will fulfill the obligations of the loan, which is a whole, um, you know, separate situation altogether. But um, it almost everything happened in phases. And, and now we're kind of at that reopening point where business owners, um, you know, want to move to that next step. And then I did hear, you know, some of my members heard, had some good news today. People like hair salons, people like barbershops, people like car washes. I have some pet groomers. I mean, they got some good news today. But then uh, some of my retail members, some of my restaurant members, I mean, they're not going to be pleased. I, I, a gym owner that won't be able to open until phase three. I mean, she has a 185,000 square foot facility and, and now won't be open for, for several weeks now, maybe counting in months if things don't go well. Well, Chris, I'm glad you defined the challenge or the reaction of your members in phases from, let's say, what do we do in the immediate to uh, living with the new normal? Uh, I'm sure you can't speak for everyone. The, the presser just ended moments ago, um, but uh, maybe I'll kick it over to you, John. What do you think your reaction will be now that you're uh, your business owners have all, I'm sure, tuned into the governor today. Going forward, are they going to be happy? Uh, Chris uh, hinted at that there's going to be mixed reactions. Uh, what do you think your members, how will they react based on where they stand now? I think they're going to be confused. I think they're going to be angry and uh, incredibly disappointed. Uh, the reality is we got curbside. And keep in mind a couple things about curbside. We had curbside all along throughout the crisis for our restaurant members, and it was a good thing. It was a lifeline for them. It was never granted to our stores. But if you look in other states, curbside was always available for retail in New Hampshire, Connecticut. Even New York always had curbside for retail. And we're just now getting it on Memorial Day. Um, you know, there, there was so much hope that these stores would be open for Memorial Day weekend the unofficial kickoff for summer. It's so important for, you know, uh, establishing that, that base and, 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 and really creating a marketing for the entire summer long. And these small businesses are going to be incredibly uh, disappointed that they can't be open. And, and uh, you look around New, uh, New England and, you know, there's been a lot of talk about working with fellow governors and, 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 and everyone throughout the region and, and doing things in concert, you know, Retail stores are going to be open in every other state in New England for Memorial Day weekend, with Connecticut being the last state uh, opening on Wednesday. Uh, even New York is going to be opening for retail at the end of next week. So at each step, at least for the retailing industry, it seems like we are two steps behind other states in our region. And, and you know, and when you look at, at what seems to be very confusing uh, scientific data, and economic data that all of a sudden we allow, um, I, I'm glad I need a haircut, but you allow people to in close contact to get, to get uh, their haircut, or you go back to uh, hospitals for some elective type of uh, uh, procedures, or you go to an office setting and have 25% uh, occupancy. If you can do that, why can't you open some of these other businesses in a scaled back fashion at 25%, whether it be a store or a restaurant, using the kind of measures that we've learned with the essential businesses and we've learned in so many other states at this point. And if I can add to, to what John just said, I mean, I also represent businesses in Rhode Island. I'm the state director down there as well for NFIB. They've had uh, not just curbside through the entire pandemic, but now have allowed some in-store browsing and, and 
to the uh, to uh, one customer for every 300 square feet of the business and and I've not heard of any problems so far and they're looking at reopening restaurants uh, as of uh, the 18th so today restaurants in, in Rhode Island are, are open for outdoor dining and and they're allowing and they're actually welcoming those restaurants if you didn't have any sort of uh, tables or seating outside they want them to push out to that parking lot. They want them to go to that grassy area. They want to start bringing in some tax revenue into the state too. They, they're happy the businesses are able to open, but they're struggling too and, and want to make sure some of that tax money's coming in. So um, they're encouraging businesses. They're not getting in the way. Uh, they're telling cities and towns, don't get in the way here. Let businesses do this if they can do it safely. Um, they, they want commerce to start back up again. You both have really noted the pace of reopening, which I think has been a big theme in Massachusetts compared with other states. And I know that there are a lot of people saying on one hand, Massachusetts is moving too fast, but some people are saying it's moving too slow. Um, what would you say to, to those who think that, you know, businesses are trying to put their profits before concerns for public health? I would say the people who are, who are saying we're moving uh, too fast are those that are working from home and have had regular paychecks coming in. Uh, when you talk to my members who have seen no revenue coming in for the last couple of weeks and John's members, I, I, those are the types of people who are very anxious to get going again and, and want to do it safely. I mean, safety is their top concern. Yeah, you know, I, what Chris says uh, is absolutely true. I, there's, I even see it with some of our fellow uh, advocates within the business community. There's some, so many industries are, frankly, their productivity hasn't even fallen off by working from home. Hey, I, I've never worked harder, <laughs> harder than what I am, you know, doing working from home right now. But, but the reality is there are businesses that must meet their customer face to face. And, and that's how they transact uh, business and, and how they consult and how they sell. And they can do this in safe ways. We've, We've been in this two months now. We've, we've learned what we need to do on sanitation and social distancing and face coverings. And, and you know, we get it that the consumers aren't going to be streaming back, you know, and, and, and it's going to be step by step. And that's one of the reasons why you can reopen these businesses, you know, with a percentage occupancy. Because the consumers are going to take some time to go back and, and, and revisit these stores, revisit these these restaurants, so you can you can eliminate you know a lot of your occupancy, and 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 you probably are not going to be in the black, so to speak, you know. But at least you have a lifeline to having a future, and and you have a shot at at reattaching yourself to those customers, reestablishing that relationship, and, and trying to get them back into the habit, and, and reminded that, you know, it, you know it. it it's important that we, we remember that the consumer is 70% of the economy. And, you know, not only can they spend those dollars safely, not necessarily just on their smartphone sending dollars around the world, but they can, they can send, spend those dollars safely right there on their own main streets. And it's important that they do because they need to shop like jobs depend on it because frankly, they do. I, I, I like what you're uh, describing as, as a, uh, a preference to have the governor or the, the rules uh, place the trust of safety in the hands of your business owners. Um, but ultimately, the arbiter, arbiter of whether they're going to come back will be the consumers themselves, right? You have some vendors who want everyone to come back right away. But at the end of the day, the consumer has to feel comfortable going to that restaurant, comfortable going to that, show, that store, as opposed to their online alternative or 
takeout alternative. What do you think is an appropriate way for uh, your members to signal and reassure consumers for everyone's benefit that indeed it is safe to go back? Well, one of the things we did uh, early on, maybe early April, halfway through April, we polled and surveyed our members to ask them how they can do things like distancing, how they could do things uh, like face coverings. Could they sanitize frequently? And, and those business owners all knew there was going to be a new way to operate. They, they were very well aware that things were not going to be the same. Um, and we polled them, we asked them, we surveyed them. And the responses were, were unbelievable. The business owners were more prepared, I think, than the state and, and knew that they would have to have like outside cleaners come in multiple times a day in some cases. Uh, those businesses that had someone that was responsible for sanitizing different high-touch areas would be doing it more often, that they need access to certain cleaning supplies um, in higher volume. They were already ready to go. They're, they're ready to put partitions between workstations and manufacture uh, in, in shops. They, they had people who were working in repair shops already doing the contactless uh, drop-offs, pickups. I had pet groomers and, and the people who had like doggy daycares ready to go already with, with curbside type pickup. I mean, they were taking these steps behind the scenes. They weren't resting on their laurels. They knew that they needed to do things to convince both consumers and government officials that they were ready to open. And, and 80% of them in every case said, we're ready to go. And that was our strategy going into the, the meeting before the advisory board um, last weekend when, or two weekends ago when we did go before them. We showed all the safety protocols business owners were already taking and ready to take to both assure consumers and the state of Massachusetts, we're ready to do business again and we're ready to do it safely for both workers and the customers. Yeah, you know, Joe I, and Rebecca, I, I've always said there is no greater uh, consumer advocate than a small business, particularly a retailer. Um, look, the, the consumer has unlimited options, particularly here in the 21st century, century because of the power of the smartphone. If you don't serve that, that customer and you, you give them great service and, and great products at a fair price and, and today, you know, make them feel very comfortable and very safe, they're never going to come back. So you better believe that these small businesses are out there to protect their customers, to protect their employees, and, and you know, because they're protecting their, their entire investment, their economic futures, you know, what they have, their, their entrepreneurial spirit, what they've invested their entire, um, you know, uh, life savings for in so many cases. You know, if, if they don't do it right, those customers aren't going to come back and that business is going to go under. So uh, you better believe that there is no one that's going to take care of them better than that Main Street business. You know, John and Chris, I think you're both sort of getting at the point of self-certification that was brought up this morning in Governor Baker's um, press conference. And I was just wondering if you had any initial thoughts about um, the self-certification process, you know, businesses being able to advertise that they have taken certain precautions when they are ready to reopen. Um, what do you think your members' reactions to that process will be? I mean, I think they're ready to do whatever it takes to reopen. And, and if that means filling out a form and, and having that checklist for things that they are already doing or were planning to do, um, I think you're going to see plenty of those prominently displayed in, in small businesses across the state. Because as we were just saying, you want to let your customers know that they're safe and that, that none of them want to be a news story. None of them want to see something bad happen to any of their customers, any of their workers. Um, you know, they, they want this to work and they want to take the steps necessary to make it work. So if that means filling out a form and, and putting it in their business, they're going to do it. 
Yeah, I agree 100%, Chris. I, they're going to do what's necessary to comply with, with the government requirements and, and to make their customers and their employees feel safe and protected. I, I will just say this, though. You know, we do have to be careful uh, to protect against a myriad of, of red tape. You know, it, you could see a scenario in which you have federal requirements, state requirements, and 351 city and town municipal requirements, and we must avoid that uh, because if it gets too complicated, uh, the red tape is something that a, a small business that don't, doesn't have staff, uh, HR, uh, attorneys, and regulatory uh, uh, folks like a big corporation. You know, we got we to gotta make this uh, relatively streamlined, something that they can do uh, and, and, and understand and, and make sure that it, isn't, is, uh, it doesn't run afoul of each other. You know, what, what the Commonwealth of Massachusetts says shouldn't be, you know, uh, any different than what the, uh, Somerville says or Boston or, or anywhere else across, across the Commonwealth. So, so that, with that caveat, you know, let's make sure government does not get uh, a little bit out of hand here and require too much, particularly of the small businesses. I would agree with that fully. And, and I, I would add, if I could, that, you know, states like Rhode Island are doing whatever is possible to make sure that business can operate. If they didn't have outdoor seating, we're going to make it easy for you. We're not going to have every town coming in saying, well, that's not, you know, there's a runoff drain 50 feet from where you, they're going to try to make it easy, simple, because you don't want someone puffing their chest out on the local level and saying, well, we're going to be a little more stringent than the state here and set our own rules and make, because then you're just going to have a patchwork of 351 different reopenings across, across the state of Massachusetts and small businesses just can't operate that way. Uh, so I, I hear what you're saying about uh, you don't want red tape to be the enemy of, of, of this reopening process, but the, the governor did uh, mention that data is what really is driving the decisions he made today and the recommendations he's making. What kind of data, and I don't want to cast a dark cloud on the, on the episode, but what kind of data would uh, suggest to you and your members that all the uh, precautions everyone has taken in good faith are not working? In other words, uh, we all hope that what we're doing will have the, the result of moving from phase two to three to four to a new sense of normalcy. What would your members accept as a um, reasonable criteria for either slowing or reversing our trend towards opening? I, I would start. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. I was just going to say if, if they had clear data uh, and, and actually released, you know, what they're looking for, I think that would be the most helpful thing at this point so that small businesses can make sure. I, I feel like it, it's such a nebulous thing. Uh, when, when they talk about data and the science, but they're not saying exactly what they're looking for on the state level to get to those next phases, to move on. What's considered uh, the criteria, the rubric, uh, that would help small businesses know. Yeah, I agree. And, and, and you know, the other important thing to uh, point to make out here is that, you know, at some point we've got to stop moving the goalposts back. You know, when you think about where we started in this process back in, in March, and we talked about three weeks to, to flatten the curve. And, and three weeks became seven weeks, which became nine weeks, which now, uh, you know, for, through phase one is, is presumably going to be 13 weeks and then on and on for phases three, um, uh, two, three, and four. Um, you know, let's just make sure that, you know, the rules of the game don't change. I think the small businesses, I think all of us as residents have done what originally the policy leaders and the healthcare leaders asked us to do. And, you know, and, and 
we knew all along we needed to protect the healthcare providers. We needed to protect our hospitals and mission accomplished on that for, for the time being. We, we, you know, my youngest son is, uh, is a doctor, uh, resident in anesthesiology down in New York City. I, I understand what, what we need to do uh, to protect these healthcare providers. And, and I think we've done a great job and, and the consumers, the residents and our small businesses and all the sacrifices we've all gone through need to be acknowledged. But let's not keep uh, changing the, the political landscape. Uh, let's, let's start weighing where 100% of the decision-making till now has been on the healthcare side and nearly zero, frankly, on the economic side. You know, with each passing day and week, we need those balances to be more and more equal because, you know, sooner or later, the healthcare side and, and what we're going to see on on the economic side, including how that horrible economy can be to deteriorate all of our health. You know, that has got to be uh, increasingly an equal determining factor for all of us to follow. And, and we, we hope our public policy leaders fully understand that and follow those, those guide, their own guidelines that they originally set. So we're getting close to the end of our show. So I wanna ask a few uh, uh, sort of wrapping up questions. Um, we've been told that uh, more than a few uh, legislators and people in the in Beacon Hill listen to our, episode, our, our podcast, and we're thrilled that they do. If they were listening to this episode today, uh, and this will air tomorrow, what do you think they've missed? What do you hope they understand? Where do you see the disconnect between the message you heard today and what your, mess- your members are telling you? What, what would you like to add if, if, if this is your uh, platform to, uh, to the governor, to the legislators, to, uh, to, to move things in the right direction and to align the legislature and, and the leaders with the people actually on the ground uh, interacting with the citizens of the Commonwealth? I guess I'd have three words, do no harm. Uh, going forward, it's, it's whatever piece of policy they're considering looking at, they need to see it from a small business perspective. They need to think about how that's going to impact that business that had just been shut for eight weeks and maybe more. Um, when some of these one-size-fits-all mandates that Beacon Hill um, loves so many t- every time one of those bills comes through, some, some people vote for it, those are the types of things they need to consider going forward, that these, are, these people are already struggling. Uh, they've already been struggling in the past to keep up with all these new labor mandates and, and don't do any new ones. Really just let these businesses assess where they are. Um, they're already at the precipice of whether or not, Hey, are we going to make it through this crisis itself? Uh, but, but to have to deal with any types of new policy decision moving forward, they should be doing everything in the power to make sure those businesses stay open um, and not throw up new hurdles moving forward. Uh, and I do think legislators are going to, want to have thriving main streets after this. After seeing storefronts closed for, for several weeks and driving by them, I mean, it, it's a real indicator as how, of how much small businesses mean to a community. And, and going forward, I, I hope people start to respect that, that these are the jobs that they create. Um, these are the types of atmospheres they create for a community. And, and any piece of policy going through Beacon Hill moving forward, um, everyone should have small businesses in mind when they, when they pull that uh, lever and make that vote. Yeah, well said, okay. Chris. Look, uh, supporting small businesses isn't just a small business Saturday photo op uh, event. It shouldn't be for our elected and, and, and appointed government officials. It's something that you should be supporting year-round 
you know, 52 weeks a year. And, and you know, to be quite honest with you, um, the atmosphere was a struggle even before COVID. You know, uh, in, in times of very high cost, whether it was rents and, and labor uh, you know, and, and energy right here in Massachusetts, uh, it was, it's been a struggle anyway for these small businesses in a time when their costs are going up, yet their sales were flat to dropping because of a competition from uh, online, frankly, in, in many cases, or over, over the border in the next state. So it was a struggle before COVID. Um, we are very concerned that we're going to see a lot of dark storefronts, a lot of small businesses not reopen and, and or maybe they'll reopen and, and, and finally not make it by the end of the summer. And there's, that's something that we need our elected officials to acknowledge and work and do everything and anything they can to try to save them. Because once they're gone, they're not going to come back because it's been a struggle in this very tough environment, even pre-COVID. To, I, I, I've unfortunately seen a reduction in the entrepreneurial spirit here in Massachusetts. It's just a very tough tough environment to, to find young people that maybe worked, you know, somewhere else for uh, in the corporate world that really wanted to take that economic risk, that, that step, you know, putting everything on the line to invest in a new, creating a new business. And it's going to be even more of a struggle to find new entrepreneurial uh, spirit folks uh, going forward. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your, uh, your remarks, John. And you can tell these are heartfelt. You've, you've been the head of your organization for nearly a uh, 30 years. So I think you've seen the evolution of uh, where we were to where we are now. Uh, this is certainly has to be one of the bigger bumps in the road that you've seen. Um, so with that, I'd like to um, uh, wrap up the show and um, we're going to go to a commercial break, but thank you very much, uh, John, Chris, uh, your insight is invaluable. And uh, let's hope that uh, if there are a few legislators listening to this podcast, uh, it'll give them pause before they impose either some broad sweeping uh, regulation or are uh, exceedingly slow to move through the process of, of opening up the economy. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Rebecca. Okay, we're back. Uh, Rebecca, uh, that was a powerful testimony from two uh, thoughtful leaders of the business community. As a data analyst, uh, what did you what was your reaction to uh, their view on uh, the governor's presser and his uh, recommendations for, for how we will open up in the future? Yeah, Joe, you know, um, as a data analyst, as someone who's been working at Pioneer, we've been looking at this issue from the data side. It's really wonderful to hear uh, the stories of the, the people on the ground and the voices of, you know, some of the other folks who are being impacted so severely by the shutdowns on this virus. And I think uh, John and Chris's sort of testimony today highlights the trade-off of the necessary um, containment of the virus, but also, you know, the economic hurt that a lot of people are feeling, some in some places more than others um, across the state. So um, really good to put the data together um, with the actual stories and the real-time experiences of people. Yes, I got that impression as well. I got the sense that if... uh the governor were listening to this podcast and Chris and John had an, uh, an opportunity to make an appeal, I think it would sound something like, trust our members. The small business owners of Massachusetts have been looking out for their clients since day one, certainly at the beginning of the, of the pandemic, now and going forward. So trust us, let us lead the way uh, to a sense of a new normal uh, economy. 
Um, but a great show, very informative. I enjoyed our guests, and I do really appreciate you being a co-host. You did a terrific job. Thank you, Rebecca. Thanks for having me, Joe. This has been an episode of Hubwonk. I'm Joe Salvaggi. Hubwonk is a podcast of Pioneer Institute. If you enjoyed today's episode, there are three ways to support the show. You can rate us with five stars, you can write a review, and you can subscribe to the show. I welcome your comments and questions if you send them to me at hubwonk at pioneerinstitute.org. Please consider supporting this podcast by going to the Hubwonk page at Pioneer Institute. Please join me next week for a new episode of Hubwonk. Hubwonk.